Good evening, listeners. It's time to settle in for another chilling story of suburban suspense. From the slumbering heads of Mount Rushmore to the twin and windy cities. From the unseen depths of the Great Lakes to the rustling husks of cornfields across the heartland. Who knows what ghouls and crawling creatures lurk among us under the Midwest moon. No one in town's awake. Seventy years had passed since the lonely one stalked town. Back then, the paper had called him a monstrous man, and in that, they'd gotten it half right. The threat hadn't been what they'd all suspected. No strange figure lurking in the shadows, haunting drugstores, and Charlie Chaplin screenings. Over time, without a suspect, the town moved on, convinced the seasoned scares had been nothing more than a summertime frenzy brought on by the heat. Rumors of the Lonely One withered more with each scorching summer until all that remained of the myth was an outdated town curfew and tall tales whispered at sleepovers. Now, two generations later, summer carried no menace when it came to town, just countless afternoons stretching out, bright and sweet as clementines. The green riot of summer meant naps in hammocks and limeade sipped on warm, windowless drives. Coolers filled with coke and water balloons bundled to bursting with icy water from the house. The season meant evening bike rides, kids looping through basketball hoops like barrel racers in the dusk. Their parents and teachers sat scattered around restaurant patios downtown, catching second winds carried in by the cool night, laughing over drinks as tart as summer's first fruits. Twirly lime rinds and spears of raspberries, riding in ice-packed glasses. Summer meant college kids on break visiting old haunts with new friends. The same friends from before, but different now changed from the year and the books and the distance, their faces and voices bright with new ideas. That was Maggie, home again. She drove past the neon pink blaze of the bowling alley sign, past the crickets and earthy dirt of the baseball fields, the concession stand with its red ropes of licorice and rows of snow cone syrups, coconut, grape, and tiger's blood. Past the arcade and the diner and the old video store where eyeball gumballs earned free movie rentals, she drank it all in, the smell of charcoal and sweet corn, the sun break from term papers and self-sufficiency. Maggie turned into her neighborhood, noticing a new fence across the street and the same collection of ceramic lions guarding the porch next door. She rolled slowly into her driveway, spying the welcome party before she'd come to a stop. Her parents had been waiting for her return all week and rushed to meet her now with hugs and eagerness to help unpack. Together, they unloaded the car. Five trips later, her mess of clothes and bedding and books sat on the floor in the corner of her room. Maggie stacked her new novels on a shelf beside her high school paperbacks and slid old sweaters and winter coats aside in the closet to make space for the dresses and tops she'd bought at college. Maggie paused from unpacking for a moment to stretch out on her bed, weary from the trip, and without planning it, drifted to sleep. Hours later, she woke up from her nap disoriented. The evening sun shining wide into the room reminded her this wasn't her shoebox dorm. From down the hall, the sound of dishes clattering and her parents talking filtered in. She smiled and got up to meet them in the kitchen. 
Maggie perched on the counter between them, swinging her legs and sneaking spoonfuls of brownie batter from a bowl as they talked. She reminded them of her plan to meet up with friends, a going-away party for Cammie, whose family was moving. After begging her to eat some real food before she left, Maggie's parents warned her to be careful. Town curfew hasn't changed, her mother said. As long as you're not out and about too long, you should be fine. But you know how people get, she said. Especially the first week of summer, her dad added. After dinner, Maggie changed and stood looking out the front door at the humid, heavy night, still and full and almost too much to take in. She buzzed with the restlessness that comes when summer feels fleeting and forever at once. The strange thrill of too loud music and too fast cars racing in the too close dark. The night, like a neighbor could, inviting her out to play. Maggie headed out, passing the open garage door on the way to her car. She stopped, her eyes drawn to the outline of her bicycle leaning against the wall inside. Nostalgia gripped her, and she decided to take the bike instead of drive. All her friends lived well within biking distance, as did the convenience store she wanted to hit first. All routes she'd ridden at 8, and 12, and 16. She quickly filled the bike's sagging front tire with air and kicked off towards the store. Every pump of her legs was like the crank of a time machine, wheeling her back to adolescence. She felt the road's slopes and curves in her body like a memory. All the while, the neighborhood's hush surrounded her. Locked doors and empty lawns. The usual symphony of crickets? Silenced. Maggie pulled up to the front of a corner gas station, parking her bike on the sidewalk beside the humming ice machine. When she pushed open the door, a bell sounded, and Maggie expected the familiar greeting that met her every time she stopped by in high school. A friendly chirp of, Welcome, welcome, welcome! Instead, she was met with no greeting and no expression from a clerk she'd never met. Maggie gave the man a tight smile before moving through an aisle. Tears of orange, blue, and red-wrapped candy shining beneath the bright fluorescent lights. Somebody's eyes played through distorted speakers overhead. Maggie had the feeling of someone following her, standing just a breath away. But every time she looked or turned over her shoulder, she saw no one. When she peered out the wide front windows, she only saw fluorescent-lit gas pumps and her own ghostly reflection in the dark glass. She shook it off. Jangled nerves from the change of scenery, she thought. Feeling a sudden urge for comfort food, she grabbed all the staples of her childhood sleepovers. Sour candy and a tray of slushy cups filled to the brim. When Maggie reached the counter with her armful of snacks, the cashier stood with his back to her, transfixed by the television on the wall behind the register. Evening news. Two local reporters, one familiar to Maggie and one not, stood beside the town ravine, gesturing towards the churning river as they rehashed all the strange happenings that had played out there throughout the years. The screen filled with photos of the town in the 20s and 50s as the reporters spoke about summer safety, their annual plea for the community to take the curfew seriously. The curfew isn't a joke, the cashier said, turning abruptly to face Maggie. She didn't know he'd even realize she was there. Maggie had no response. He rang her up and watched her as she ran her card. Hope you're not passing by the ravine, at least. Again, Maggie said nothing. She thanked him and made quickly for the door, uneasiest pulsing through her like a warning. Outside, the air felt electric. She loaded her Schwinn like a pack mule and kicked off towards Cammie's, plastic bags of Skittles and chips swaying against her legs as she pedaled. She coasted down a small hill for a block when a sudden jagged crack in the sidewalk caused her to jerk the handlebars and jostle the basket of drinks one of which tipped and dripped a sticky red streak down her knee. She paused to clean it up, dabbing it up as best as she could with a thin gas station napkin, when a sudden cry sounded from the yard beside her. Just feet away. 
Maggie's chest tightened. It hadn't sounded like a man, not an animal either. Slowly, she climbed off her bike, towing the kickstand down. She walked toward the bushes, leaning forward, straining to hear. As she pressed her ear to the hedge, the branches came alive with movement, a wild quivering as two enormous birds squabbled, their wings batting frighteningly close to Maggie's face. She scrambled backwards and caught her breath. Shaken, she'd climbed back onto her bike seat and set off, cautiously this time. Not wanting another spill, Maggie took the curbs and turns at half speed, keeping the basket of her slushies level. In slowing down, she noticed more details of the neighborhood. Rollerblades abandoned in the grass, bats swooping low over picnic tables, the shk of sprinklers arcing over dark yards. Maggie was struck by the thought of all the hidden movement happening in the narrow, shaded spaces between houses and behind hedges. Night animals darting under parked cars, people and creatures going about unseen business. She imagined the lonely one stalking down a wet, empty alley. His slow pace and faceless form. The thought made her shiver, and she shook it from her mind. When Maggie reached her friend's home, she let herself in and was taken aback by the empty house, echoing and bare, a maze of moving boxes winding towards the dining room and back door. Maggie found her friends gathered outside on the back porch, a spiderweb of twinkle light stretched above them. Maggie sat on a deck chair with her legs tucked up under her, the fresh scent of bug spray behind her knees as helicopter seeds dropped from the trees, pinwheeling onto the porch and her shoulder in fluttery bursts. She reveled in the familiar voices and chit-chat of her friends, the laughter that played like a soundtrack to her childhood. First, they talked of changes. Cammie's family leaving, the new restaurant where their favorite coffee shop used to be, Mariah's bangs and Stacy's Jeep. Then they talked of all the unexpected changes of college. To Maggie, it felt like they'd finished a year-long recon mission into adulthood and were reporting back now from the safety of their teenage clubhouse. Before long, as the citronella candles melted into little pools, their talk turned to the lonely one, their voices becoming lower. Most everyone thought the curfew was unnecessary and laughed off the lonely one as a tired urban legend. That is, until they heard the rustling in the bushes bordering the yard, a commotion in the mosquito-droning night. They all startled, turning towards the sound, a collection of held breath. Just then, a silhouette lunged suddenly above the hedge. The figure was large and quick-moving, making the posts of the fence jerk. Cammie gasped and Maggie's throat closed in panic a scream trapped in her chest. The friends were stunned still as the man jumped to the ground and began striding in slow, measured steps towards them. Just as Maggie was about to bolt up, to run, the face of the figure grew into the light. Not a stranger, not the lonely one. What in the world, Mark, Cammie said. You terrified us. We thought you were the lonely one, Grace said. Everyone laughed in relief at their friend's prank, Maggie less quickly than the others. Why, Mark said. You know, he only goes after you when you're alone. He reached out his hands in pretend menace, and the group laughed again. Maggie pulled her jacket closer around her shoulders. The night grew late as the group caught up. Maggie relaxed, her earlier fear nearly forgotten as she and her friends snapped Polaroids and pears and bunches. All smiles, sunburnt shoulders, and looped arms. Afterward, with hugs and playful punches, the party dissolved into the night. Maggie lived not far from Grace, and she walked her home, wheeling the bike alongside them. The two talked about their summer goals, about what came next and what felt out of their control no matter how much they planned, how long and full the last year had been, how strange it was to be back home. The pair rounded the corner to Grace's drive when a loud rattling came from beside Grace's garage. The girls grabbed at each other's sleeves and wheeled towards the racket in the shadows. 
A raccoon lifted its head from a garage bin and blinked at the girls. Oh man, close call, Grace breathed, letting out a nervous laugh. Right, Maggie said. Close. They reached Grace's front stoop, three steps lined with potted red geraniums. You okay getting home? I can drive you, her friend said. Ah, I'm fine. You sure? She pressed. Half a mile? Easy, Maggie said. Okay then, be safe. Her friend waved goodbye from beneath her porch light's bright beam. The light made a halo of her curls and shaded her face in harsh angles. Maggie smiled back before climbing onto her bike, pedaling away into the dark. On her own, the last stretch. Maggie passed house after quiet house, like facades on a soundstage. A movie set of fake house fronts with no light or life behind them. When she did come across a lit house, yellow spilling onto the grass from sliding doors and picture windows, the brightness inside felt removed. Distant. A separate world from her dark ride home. Maggie had just entered a thatch of trees separating neighborhoods, working her legs harder to bike over the raised roots snaking over the path when a loud hiss derailed her. Spooked, she crashed her bike into a gnarled oak falling onto a stone and scraping her knee. She stood up to examine her leg, an ugly red cut, before retrieving her bike from its twisted heap in a bush. She searched around for what had hissed. A possum, most likely. She didn't see it. Anyway, she wasn't far now. She could walk her bike the final leg and be home within minutes. Moments later, Maggie reached the ravine. Because of her pit stop at the gas station earlier, she hadn't yet taken this path. She thought suddenly of what the cashier had said, remembered the coursing river from the evening news. She saw how narrow and warped the bridge was and felt a thrill of terror so real that fear was a second presence, its own person beside her. She could nearly trace the outline of her panic in the dark. All around her were two-toned shadows, dark trees, and a deeper darkness beyond them. She breathed deeply and started to cross the bridge footsteps and wheels thudding over the old wood planks. The river surged, black and huge, beneath her feet. Suddenly, over the white noise rush of water, she heard steps echoing hers, a second sound after every step she took. Fear kept her facing straight ahead. She picked up speed, the thun, thun, thun of her bike on the bridge growing quicker. Maggie gasped to hear the footsteps behind her pickup pace as well, matching hers. She dropped her bike, letting it fall against the railing of the bridge and raced across the remaining length of the planks to the dark on the other side. Maggie ran headlong into the lilac-thick dark as she heaved in the ravine's scent, stagnant and sultry. She ran and ran and ran until she found a tool shed bordering the bike trail. She wrenched open its door and ducked inside. Breathing in the dark, trembling among the rakes and soil, Maggie waited, listened. Quietly, barely daring to move, she peered out a dirt-caked window into the night. The moon shone on an empty trail. No pursuer. No lonely one approaching in frightening strides. No danger at all. She was alone. Safe. Foolish and banged up, but safe. She reached out to open the door and stopped. Behind her, in the shed, a lonely monster growled. <laughs>